I want to encourage you this morning. I want to make a run for it. Another run. I'm reminded of last March. I was in prayer time and just morning time, just praying, but I kept feeling this term that I want to hit with you with this, this morning. And, it, and it's, I feel like this is kind of a prophetic message for some of you. I want to talk to the ones that have been through it. I always say scars on earth are testimonies in heaven. And you know, when you stand on a stage, your armor shines, but you get really close, you'll see the flaws in the armor. We all got flaws. And you came in here today and you're like, you're, you're amped in a different way this year, which I loved. But I'm going to speak to some things that some of you have been walking through because some of you, I, we, we know, we, we know your world. We know what you've been walking through. We see it because uh, you, you're bold enough to live out loud on social media. And, 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 and I begin to think about when Dr. Joe said you want to share towards the end. And, and I'm only going to go a couple of minutes. Maybe can I talk about the gap called unfair? The season before the breakthrough. I know we always talk about he'll turn mourning into dancing, but one of the things we never really focus on, in the, probably in the body of Christ, is the power of mourning. We want to get to the dance. And I don't do that very well. When I get to heaven, I'll be black. But uh, right now, I'm super white, and I'll be black and Asian. And um, uh, my daughter's Asian, so I'm going to be Blasian. And so... But we love, about, we love to talk about the celebration. So oftentimes we skip a step that is critical. And we're in that season right now. The right before the breakthrough. My favorite people are not 9 a.m. Christians. My favorite people are not 10 p.m. Christians. They're the midnight Christians. The Acts 16, the second generation of leaders that was was spreading the gospel throughout the world. They, and they're, they're hanging there because all they did was set someone free in a prison. And they were put in the inner court, which the, another term, if you study, is the Holy of Holies. What you call the darkest place is the place where God meets you. And they start singing at about midnight. Let, let's, let's go there for just a second because I felt so stirred to share this with you. And I, I'm talking about the... The, the hope now in God moment that the, the psalmist talked about. The scripture that led to hope now in God. Are you serious? And last March, 2022, we were in an explosion season in our business. I'm going to go there. It was incredible. We're like, are you kidding me? But God began to speak to me. He said, I want you to study the Ziklag anointing. And I'm like, what is the Ziklag anointing? That's so peculiar. But it's actually three chapters before David would become king. He would face his darkest moment. Before the breakthrough, it was the last. He had spent his life outrunning rejection. His own father forgot him in a field. The man that became a spiritual father ends up throwing spears at him. Now he's running from that man. He's out and he's doing his own. Thing. He's living in a place called Ziklag, which, by the way, is the only uh, city that was never conquered. God had promised the promised land, Dr. Joe was talking about. And all of a sudden, the minute they get into the promised land, they face these people called the Amalekites. Who are the Amalekites? They were the Vikings of the day. Their number one goal was to kill the men, take the women and children away, and turn them into them, give them their identity. Steal their heritage. 
And they were an evil group of people, but they were never conquered. They were promised to Simeon, but they never got conquered until David. And you're going to see the reverse happen in just a moment of literally what happened when they walked over, when they came over into the promised land out of Egypt, because they're going to meet someone from Egypt in just a minute. And God literally reversed to restored. I'm going somewhere for just a moment because I felt so stirred and Karen turned to me last night and we were getting ready for bed and she said, I think you're supposed to share this because I live this. This thing called the Ziklag. What is Ziklag? It literally means the winding given to the tribe of Simeon whose land was within Judah as an inheritance of God's promised land, but it was never conquered. In fact, God even said to them, go kill everything because it was a diseased people. There's a number of different things in this Old Testament. We don't do that anymore, but... Except real talk. And so, hold on. <laughs> so, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, David has been out doing what David does. He's been given Ziklag by the Philistines. This is when your enemy's enemies, my friend. He's living in the very people that always came at him. But they've given him this, this, this fortress called Ziklag. He comes home and he finds everything gone. The women, the children turn, have been taken away. And he comes to the end of himself, which is the beginning of God. And some of us are right on the cusp of that. That moment where you go, I, I got nothing. I've learned this, the greatest place of comfort or surface comfort, the greatest place of surface comfort is often the place that God is still waiting to conquer comes home, cities burn, and even his men want to stone him. And in 1 Samuel 30, verse 3, it says, when David and his men reached Ziklag, they found out, found it destroyed. Remember, this is three chapters, two chapters before, one chapter before Saul would take his own life, surrounded and Jonathan. Two chapters, before, three chapters before he become king. And it's the moment where he quits. And when David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed, their wives and sons' daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Have you ever had one of those kind of cry fest? You ain't even got nothing. It's just dry. David's two wives have been captured, and Oman of Jezreel and Abigail, the wife of the widow of Nabal of Carmel, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking about stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters, but David found strength. He's facing the very first enemy, the Amalekites, that they face when they cross into the promised land. God says, you got to finish what was never done. You got to conquer what your parents would conquer. You're going to have to deal with this thing for just a second. So I call this the gap called unfair. David was in the middle of that gap that moment. And again, three chapters later, it's all going to be good. But he didn't know that then because he couldn't see it then because he's in the middle of the storm. And when you're in the middle of the storm, you just put your head down and there's that moment. And so David and his men, verse four says, and his men wept aloud until they had no strength. That's called a diet of tears. The Bible talks about it in Psalms 42. Verse two through three, it says, I'm thirsty for God alive. I love the message Bible. And if you don't, don't, don't email me. Um, <laughs> no, I do have a special place for that. It's kind of like Thanos' ring. It's just a delete moment thing. And 
He said, I'm thirsty for God. Alive, I wonder, will I ever make it to arrive and drink in God's presence again? I'm on a diet of tears. To make matters worse, even his men, his boys, his mighty men, which I've did deep studies on that, these guys, these are the guys that met with him in Adullam in the cave, which means justice for the people. And now they want to kill him because they've lost everything. You know what I've learned? Loyalty's boundaries cannot be tested until personal preservation is at risk. Let me say that again. Loyalty's boundaries cannot be tested until personal preservation is at risk. David is done. He spent his life outrunning rejection. Can I just say this? The most dangerous place a Christian can ever get is to get to the point where they just go, oh well. The oh well spirit is death. I have been there in ministry. I've been there in different seats. Oh well. Done. Careful. What you have to understand, the gap called unfair is the place where you get so narcissistic that you can't see God working. Remember, I went through a season, if you follow us on social media or on Zooms or any of that kind of stuff, man, we had the mask on, we had the look on, we, we had it going on. But I, I remember it was, it was in the summer of 2020, I just lost my, my precious mom. 10 days later, uh, about 20 days later, my brother had a heart attack and died for 22 minutes. And I'm fighting and trying to balance everything. And Karen was going through some battles with her neck and we're, we're we just signed a new book contract. All this cool stuff was happening, but that was so surface that there was mornings where I would get up and go, what else? Then jump on a Zoom. You ready to sponsor? Ready to grow that front line? Fill the funnel. And I meant those things because I actually found my peace in that. But you cannot outrun Discouragement. No. Leslie began said it this morning. Discouragement is when you disregard your courage. It's so good she spoke that to me, not knowing what I was going to share. And through that season, I leaned into that promise of John chapter 16. In this life, you're going to have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I overcame the world. He never said we would not go through this stuff. He just said, you're not walking alone anymore. And you have to understand, I'm going to say something that some might actually want to rebut, but discouragement is your friend. Oh, I'm about to teach you something for a Because freedom always starts with a vexed spirit. Discouragement is the bottom of the blessing. It's where the blessing begins to rise up. And, and what you have to understand is discouragement awakens us to the fact that something has got to change. We love Psalms 30 verse 11. You turned my mourning into dancing and, and you gave me the new song and you removed my sackcloth. and But you'll never dance until you first wail. It is the... I love that. Somebody... That happens sometimes when I speak. Kids kind of just like they're with me. It's it's anyway. Until staying where you're at becomes more painful. 
until your soul is vexed, until you decide to awaken from the stupor of self. And I call it satisfied discontentment. You just get satisfied until you break through that. You'll always live in the place of satisfied discontentment. It's that Roman chapter, you know, eight, one of my favorite verses for creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it and hope that creation will be liberated from its bondage and delivered. In other words, so many times frustration is from God and He's stirring you. It was frustration that caused us to take our health back. It was frustration of traveling the world and exhausted and weary and never being home and doing phone calls to say goodnight and getting stuck on planes and missing ball games and birthdays. It was, and I, I said, God, literally on a beach. I said, what else? I, I can't do this. It was frustration is good because it shifts you. It changes you. Listen, you got to get a hold of this because he, he sent me to share this to you and kind of following up and, and adding to uh, just if I possibly can add to that masterful message of, of that moment where you're not crying out for quail, which makes you lean. But you go, God, I, I'm going to trust you because you still know the recipe to manna. Ziklag is the intersection of all is lost and hope now in God. It's the moment where you shift. And this is the season to learn the power of faithfulness. And I wrote this down. I shared it on a team Zoom. The definition of faithfulness is having the stamina to keep believing when there are no answers to your questions or when the shout to keep going has become a whisper of No, I'm, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> that worked yesterday with Karen. Y'all can't do that. All right, I'm going to read it. The, the definition of faithfulness is having the stamina to keep believing when there's no answers to your questions or when the shout to keep going has become a whisper of just hold on. See, it was after that season. It was after that season. And then some of you heard it, but it was one of my altar moments where I was climbing a mountain with a bunch of guys in Colorado and probably at about the 11,000 or 12,000 foot mark when you can barely breathe. And, and God said to me, when are you going to mourn your mother? Because I didn't. I skipped it. And I said, I, I can't do this. And I'm by myself. And I, I began to wail. Had worship on, and sometimes I was cussing because I was in pain. I mean, it's just a mixture. It's common. It's it's Texas Christianity, and and <laughs> I'm like I'm worshiping. <laughs> it changed us, David. In the face of everything, the Bible says, "I'm done." Found strength in the Lord. He goes to prayer. Verse 7, David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. The word ephod literally means breastplate. Bring me my righteousness. Let me get back to the right. And then all of a sudden, God, what do I do? And God said, pursue them. Abandonment requires redemption. You need to write that down. 
because he leaves, he takes 600 men, leaves 200 back home. They go and he's riding and he's going and he finds an Egyptian slave that had been abandoned three days before at exactly when David arrived at Ziklag, an Egyptian got sick. You're not getting what I'm saying. You need to realize that God had already created a plan. Remember they came out of Egypt. They would find an Egyptian to go fight the Amalekites and they were finally going to take everything back. David, they tack them, they begin to fight and they fight all day, 24 hours, and they recovered all and more. But I, I need you to get a hold of this. It's the gap called unfair. Jesus experienced the gap called unfair in a garden where he said, are you serious? They could care less about me and you. I'm doing this. Take this cup from me, but not my will. The gap called an affair was six hours on a cross between two thieves, one mocked, one believed. And he's hanging suspended between humanity, uh, the, the earth and heaven, and he's stuck there and his own father doesn't recognize him anymore because he became me on the cross so I could become him to the world according to Romans chapter eight. And, and he said, why have you abandoned me? Why have you abandoned me? And God just kept walking because he saw Pat and didn't know me. Because Jesus became me. And somewhere between it is finished and he is risen. Gap called unfair. The disciples are now hiding out. They're on the most wanted list. Rome hates them. The Jews hate them. And then finally, Jesus resurrects. And they continually had the gaps called unfair. Go, wait, I'm going to send you. He had promised in John 14, you will not be alone. I'm going to give you a friend. A comforter, which is not a blankie. That word is the it's the it's the the male form of the word. Better know the way to say it, except it means the cutting away, the circumcising. He said, I'm not gonna leave you paraphed, I'm not gonna leave you as an orphan because we are not orphans. I sit at the king's table every morning, eye to eye. Don't play small with God. And then he said, go to the upper room. You'd think that's enough. It started out with 500 according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but it was the first church split. They get up there and after a few days, some are like, I can't do this, man. They hung in there. He gets down to 120 in the, the greatest mega church that ever lived. It's the real mega church. And between the gap called unfair, the wind and the fire came and they were filled with the spirit. And they set the world ablaze because they didn't quit in the gap called unfair. They didn't stop. It's the Ziklag anointing. If David had quit, he would have never become king three chapters later and from which the seed of Christ came. And I'm coming to tell you something this morning. Come on, uh, team, if you'll come and help us. I, I feel so stirred in my heart, Dr. Joe, because it's like we, we don't talk about what we're going to share. We kind of for a minute, but, but Israel got stuck for 40 years because of the gap called unfair. And there are people, man, I feel with the presence of God right now. I hope you just let me get a little weepy or maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's the season we're in. We're so close. Dan Valentine raised my faith yesterday. I don't know if he was bluffing. 
which he's, he's done to me. <laughs> but when you stood up and you said, we're about to enter the greatest season. Brother, you raised the water level of hope in that room. I didn't even know you and I have done ministry. Richard Wilkerson and all those guys together. And then God said, I'm going to bring somebody today like spirit to flow with you a little bit. Because I've had to raise a hallelujah when I had no breath to say it. When she walked through leukemia for a year every morning, morning and night worshiping, Gap called unfair. But I want to encourage you when you're walking into your kids' bedrooms at night and they're asleep and you know when they wake up there's a war. Raise a hallelujah. The presence of my enemies. Gonna raise a hallelujah. Stand with me, stand with me. And I'm gonna sing. I'm gonna sing. I'm gonna sing. I'm gonna sing. Louder and louder. I'm gonna hear your praises Step passes. 
But I've got to do this first because I felt like it was my assignment from Father this morning. I'm going to give you permission. I don't really have that right, but if you'll, if you'll allow me. To mourn. You want to dance? You got to mourn. You want to go to the cross? Crucify the flesh? Starts with mourning in the garden. You want an upper room experience? You got to walk through a season of disappointment. I need you to mourn yesterday so we can move on. Because as my friend prophesied from stage yesterday, we're about to enter an incredible season. And I'm not just talking finances. I'm talking about back to what we do. Back to seeing people live again. So we're going to do this. Some of you have been through a lot. Not even anything to do with Optimia. What if over the next minute or so, shut your eyes. And you said, God, would you do that? Softly, loudly, however you want to do it. God, help me mourn so I can move on. Help me get free of this weight. It comes in like waves. So I can dance again. Help me find my joy in the morning because of my weeping throughout this night. I'm turning back to you, Lord. Release your will. Release your mourn. Whatever's happened, somebody left you, somebody walked out of you, there was a war going on with your kids, whatever it is, say, cannot make my past happy. But I can trust you between the two thieves of yesterday and tomorrow. So would you just whisper this? Say, here I am. Heal my heart. feel his presence landing in this room. I feel his presence landing in this room. You're still his favorite. You're still the one when you were born, no matter the circumstances, he said, this is good. This is good. I'm gonna see the middle of the storm. I'm gonna go louder and louder. Till my praise becomes a roar. Cause up from the ashes.
and look at me for a second. The only way to get through the gap called unfair is to understand the power of the cross. If you're in ministry, involved in ministry, your trusted leader, would you come spread out all the way across the front and face this crowd? Middle of the storm, louder and louder. Man, look at all this. If you're part of the prayer team, pastors, your leaders, whatever it might be, come and join us. He's not done, John. Rakowski's. Talked about that last week, didn't we? Hold on. He's not done, Mo. Chantel. It's a different season. Trade began when you just opened up and told the world yesterday. What freedom? Freedom. That's freedom. When the enemy goes, remember that? Now, because he's the mercy seat, the blood flows over the mercy seat. Inside the mercy seat is the Ten Commandments, the law, pot of manna, blessing, rod, leadership. Christ sits upon that blood flows over it but he sits on it so in other words if our sin is under the blood he can't see what he's sitting on so quit reminding him of it but we got to get there and all over this room I'm going to give you an opportunity to say I got to get it right got to get it right got to get it right I've had a got to get it right a thousand times like recent got to get it right. Lord, change me. Forgive me. Wash over me. I confess with my mouth. I have heart surgery on the inside. You are the Lord. I put you back on the throne of my life. I'm doing a terrible job ruling my kingdom. I need you to be the king of my life. I really stink at this, God. And all over this room, you say, Pat, I need to shift some things. I need to change. Maybe you've never accepted Christ the King. All you got to do is ask. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever, doesn't matter. He doesn't discriminate. And you go, man, I've just done too much stuff. You do not have the power to turn the blood pink. You do not have the power, no matter what garbage you've done, to weaken my cross. That was my sister's greatest battle. I wrote about it in the book. Prison to other things. And I look at it and say, you don't have that power to remove the most powerful word called grace. So 
So all over this room, shut your eyes for a second. And we only do that to honor you, to give you your moment. With your eyes shut, you say, Pat, I got to get some things right, man. I got to get some garbage out of my life. I've got to restore my soul with him. I need him to wash over me and forgive me and change me. If that is you, if that is you, you say, I got to get it right. I don't give a rip what nobody thinks because I don't. Lift your hand in the air across this room. Yeah, I'm not going to beg. You see that? I don't manipulate. Man, there's hands going up everywhere. And I only say that to say you're not alone. I'm going to ask you to do something that, 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 that takes some stinking boldness. But if you just raise your hand, we're not going to manipulate. We're not going to do the count. We're not going to do none of that stuff. Done with those days. I want everybody to put the, 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 their legs to the back of your chair, meaning you can touch the seat, the back of your legs rather, because I want you to open the aisles. But raise that hand again, and then now, now you're realizing, okay, okay, I feel this. And you know what? It has nothing to do with the communicator. It has to do with Holy Spirit, what's Brig saying? Yeah, let's get some things right. I'm on the verge of breaking through for you. And Dr. Joe said it, but I can't until you submit to me. Hand raised. And if you say, I'm ready to change, I'm going to make you do something radical. Put your hand down. No one knows whose hand was raised. So you're going to have to do it on your own. But I'm going to ask you to get out and come stand in front of one of these folks right here. Not for any other reason except that you're not doing it alone. So you raise your hand. Come on. Come on. Come down. Come on. I don't care if you've done it a thousand times. Make it a thousand and one. Come on. You're about to break out of the gap called unfair. Come on. You're about to bust out of this gap. And you're about to experience something real. Something so real. Something so real that no fella can give this to you, no lady. So all over the room, would you join them from the front to the back? Would you pray this out loud? Say, Jesus, real soft, real soft. Say, so I want everybody to hear. I want you to hear your own voice. In fact, say it with kind of like help. Pray this out loud. Say, Jesus, help. Forgive me. Change me. And this is the critical thing that we miss. Say this, you are the Christ, the one true God. Take over my life. Be my friend, my savior, my Lord. I believe in you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for resurrection. Now Jesus, If you'll have me, and I know you will, I'm yours. Cause I raise a hallelujah. 
all over the room if, if, if you would if you want raise your hands you know what all you're doing is put yourself on the cross or all you're doing is saying dad my little grandson will run up and say pappy pick me up that's all you're doing oh I'm gonna witness and I'm gonna say louder physically healed and if you need to be physically healed I want you to start walking down here some of you need miracles in your body the Bible says in Psalm 133 he forgave my sins that's the front of the cross and he healed my disease that's the back of the cross it makes the cross a complete sometimes we can believe for salvation which is like the greatest thing in the world but we can't believe for healing how many of you need healing in your body right now? Raise your hands. If you do, walk down here. These folks are going to pray for you right now. But I'm going to ask Karen to pray because God healed her after one year and rewrote her DNA. Um, Megan, we're praying for you, Karen and I. Are. We're going to get this back right. We're, I'm telling you, I, it's time. Um. You can't walk through something and not be able to minister to it. And we have seen crazy stuff lately. People healed of cancer. And I wish I would say because, I wish I could say it's because, you know, oh, your faith. No, no. It's because of scars. And Karen, when she prays, people get healed. So if you need healing, if you physically clean, lift that hand up. But we're going to pray over you. We're going to pray for you, and God is going to touch your body right now. There is miraculous healing in the atmosphere. I just want to say that when you're in that gap called unfair, and you're walking through sickness, you're walking through waiting for your healing, waiting for that breakthrough, waiting for that victory, waiting, contending, when you're in that season of waiting, it's what you do in that waiting season that determines the outcome in your victory. So in your waiting is when you hear from God. In your waiting is when you learn to trust. 
in your waiting, it's when you gain the strength to come out as an overcomer. And so every single person in this room that is battling sickness, that is battling an infirmity, that's battling issues in their body, whether it be cancer, whether it be diabetes, whether it be eye problems or back problems or leg problems, no matter what it is, in this season, when you are waiting and contending for your miracle, it's time to stop praying desperate prayers and it's time to start declaring God's word over your life because God does not withhold good from his children. And he wants you to experience victory and he wants you to experience healing and he wants you to have it so that you can in turn turn around and tell other people about his goodness and his mercy and his grace. So God, Father, I just declare right now in this season that you would just let your healing oil pour out over this building. Father, that people will be made whole, that they will be saved, that they will feel the healing oil begin to flow through their body to every ligament, to every organ, to every disc, to every mind. Depression will be broke in Jesus' name, that it will be cast out, that minds will be made whole, and that peace will enter into every single person. Father, I declare right now that your healing is for everyone, for every one of your children, and that you are healing eyes, you are healing digestive issues, you are healing throat issues. Father, I declare right now that as these people raise their hands and surrender, that they are claiming, declaring, and receiving healing in their bodies right now. And we just praise you for it. We thank you in advance for the healings that are going to take place, that they're going to get home, and their eyes are going to be open to the fact that you have indeed healed them, and not only made them well, but you have made them whole and restored everything that the enemy has robbed them of. And we praise you for it in your name. Here's the last thing. Some of you are going home to storms. The minute you step on the, that step to walk through that front door, that stoop or whatever, off the elevator, whatever, I'm asking God to show you the lion that's been sitting in front of your house. The lion of the tribe that's been pushing when a lion is ready to attack, they do this. And that's what he's been doing, protecting you. When you walk through that front door, speak one word, peace. Peace is not an emotion, it's a place you choose to live. And he is the Prince of Peace. He will keep in perfect peace whose mind is set upon him. Isaiah 26, three, I think. But if you need strength to go home, maybe you're even married to a spouse that doesn't believe in what you're doing here. Whatever that might be, lift your hands. I'm gonna pray a blessing over you to go home, right? If you're having some battles at home with your family, kids, spouse, whatever, maybe you're just lonely at home, lift your hand. We're gonna pray over you to go home, right? Because this is a comma, not an exclamation. No more convention that has exclamation. 
that's left us in a bunch of opium and doing nothing done. We got to go home as a comma. So with your hands raised, I declare peace over your home. I declare that miracles are happening before you get there. That a softening of heart, a new heart like Ezekiel 36. And I declare in Jesus' name, the wind of God will blow over your home, over your marriages, over your marriage bed, over your children, over the prodigals, for those, those that are battling disease. In Jesus' name, let the wind of the Holy Spirit blow over your house. And when you get home and say the word peace, the lion will roar. Because what we call peace, he calls going to battle on your behalf. So in Jesus' name, let this be a comma for the rest of the sentence.